0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with him and his children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: All right, how I many know oh God's good? Amen. Come on, give him a praise. This morning, amen. Well, I'm supposed to bring you a message today entitled "Last Words." Last words, and um, so I came in this morning, and as I'm on the way in this morning, I, I, something just began to kind of um, burn in my heart, and as it was burning in my heart, and I was like, "But, but, but, I'm ready. Last words. That that that's ready. It's together." And and I said, "But, but." <laughs> Lord, have you, is that you, Lord? So, just after the seven o'clock hour this morning, I went to my office, which is in, they're tearing it apart, so it's in total disarray, and pulled out my laptop and just began to just kind of download a, another message. And so, there is nothing pretty about this sermon. Can I tell you? All right, it has not been crafted. It is. It is just straight from what I think God wants us to hear today. And in order to do that, we need to return to Mark chapter 4, one more Sunday, I think. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. I want to bring you a message entitled, As He Was. It's partially Pastor Danny's fault. He said to me, when I said the series was over, he said, I thought you were going to answer that question. What does it mean, as he was? And so today, let's read that passage, then we'll pray. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35 says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, now we've done this for about five weeks, you should know what we do here, let us go where? Over to the other side. Where are we going? over. We're not going under. We're we're going over to the other side, leaving the crowd. Notice this behind. Sometimes you've got to go forth. Come on now. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Now this is the part I want you to see, just as he was. And every time I read that to you in our planned series here, or unplanned series that turned into a series, every time I read that, it, it leapt in my spirit. The just- as he was part leapt up inside of my heart just as he was in the boat there were also other boats with him let's pray this morning father thank you for this day thank you for your presence and thank you for your word god i ask you that you're going to open your word to us today lord because you are in control and i'm i'm following your direction today lord that you're going to speak to us through this time in the mighty name of jesus christ Amen and amen. So in order to find that just as he was, what, what was that? What, what was God saying? The Lord took me back and you may want to keep your Bibles open to the book of Mark. We're going to work our way through Mark chapter four here for just a moment. So the Lord brought me back around to that. And as, as we came back around to that, I, I felt like I needed to, to see what was happening in the earlier part of the passage. And to put that in perspective, if you've ever been there, uh, the Sea of Galilee has a, a lot of cactuses and rocks along its side. And as you, I can just imagine Jesus walking down through that, that rough terrain there. And As He's walking along the Sea of Galilee, I, I I can imagine as He begins to teach. And as He begins to teach, He gives us some parables that really are some of the most powerful and, and most popular parables of all here in Mark chapter 4. He starts breaking the Word to us, and, and the very first parable that He gives us uh, as He's teaching is is the parable of the sower. And here's what he says He says, "A, A sower goes out sowing good seed. What kind of seed? Good seed. He goes forth sowing good seed and, and some of the good seed falls on rocky ground and some of the good seed, uh, uh, takes root, but it's not, but it's very shallow. And when the sun comes up and, and it quickly withers away and, and then some of the other falls among thorns. And as it falls among thorns then, then, then all of a sudden it's choked out as it begins to grow. And, and then, and finally he says, but some of the good seed finds good ground. How many of you want God to sow good seed in the good ground of your life this morning? Amen. And so some of that good seed finds good ground, and as that good seed finds good ground, uh, Jesus is speaking this into their life, and the disciples come to him, and they say, and we're going to pick up in verse number 13, they say, "Uh, Lord, we don't really understand what you're trying to say to us in this passage. So in Mark chapter 4, verse number 13, it reads like this, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Okay? So the word is the good seed. What's the good seed? The word of God. Okay? What's the good seed? All right, got about half of you. Come on now. What's the good seed? The word of God. All right, so the farmer sows the, the word of God. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, and we're going to talk about this more in a moment, but Satan comes and takes away the word from them that was sown into them. He he robs them. That's like those who come in and might say amen on Sunday morning, but it doesn't leave the door of the church with them, okay? They get it for a moment, but it never takes root in their lives. But others are like seed sown on rocky places, and they hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. Yes, that's for me. That's for me. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of, uh, for other things come in and choke the word. So in other words, sin creeps in and chokes out the power of the word in their lives, making it unfruitful. And then, but others are like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. What a powerful, powerful passage. And I want to ask you that last word one more time. Some produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times of what was, and the word I want you to notice there, what was sown. Okay, what was What? I know I'm asking you to help me this morning, but I'm the one having to preach a sermon that I didn't plan for this morning. Now, I want you to see this. They were talking about the parable of the sower. But the next parable that Jesus moves to, I want you to see, it's called the parable of the lamp. The parable of the lampstand. And it says that you wouldn't bring in a a lamp and hide it under something. You, you, you bring a light into the room so that it can do something in the room, so that it can, it can change the, the light of the room. It can, it can change the environment of the room. Okay. And so uh, he's talking about the, the lampstand. And in Mark 4, 25, what it's really telling us, it says, uh, consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure uh, you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So he's preached about the sower. Now he's preaching to them about the lampstand, and, and then all of a sudden he changes gear again, and he says, all right, now I want to talk to you about the growing seed. And the growing seed, is a. he says, that if a farmer takes a seed and he sows it in the ground, that he doesn't know how it's going to produce the harvest. All he knows is that something happens and it springs up. And when the right seasons come, that the farmer quickly comes in and catches and delivers the harvest unto himself. What it's saying is the kingdom of God was like a seed that is sown. You plant it, but it grows in ways that you don't even know how it grows. You plant it into your life, and you don't even know how you're going to get to that place called victory, but all you know is you've got the promise to hold on to, and as long as you've got the promise to hold on to, God's watching you, and as God's watching you, something's going to begin to grow in your life. Can I get an amen for that? You see, we plant the kingdom of God and it grows and it changes us in ways that we don't even, we don't even know how God's gonna change us. God, God wants to make you into somebody that, that's not just who you hope to be, but you're gonna be higher than you hope to be. You're gonna be stronger than you thought you would be. You're gonna win more than you ever dreamed you could win because He's called you to be more than a conqueror through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that today? Amen. You better give me an amen or I'm gonna preach twice as long. Give me an amen. Amen. You rescued yourself. Mark four twenty nine. but when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And what this is teaching us is this, that your job is to open your life to the kingdom of God, to plant God's promises in your life because God will cause them to grow. God's going to do the work. And in the right season, God's going to allow you to reap a harvest. Isn't that amazing? God says, let me plant the right word inside of you, and you just let it grow inside of you. And in the right season, you're the one who's going to reap the harvest. You're the one who's going to be blessed because you let God do what he wants to do inside of you. Amen. I want you to notice something about these parables. In just a moment, let me share the last one with you. In the last parable, he says says there's a sower, and then he says there's a lampstand, and then there's a seed that is sown. And then he says faith is like that of a mustard seed. One of the most popular sermons i ever heard growing up, how you just needed mustard seed faith. But, 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 but what it says is that, that faith only needs a spark to begin to grow into something great. That faith must be sown. Watch this. Faith must be sown in order to grow. Now here's what I want you to notice about each of these parables. Each In each of these parables, something is being sown. Something is being sown. I had never noticed that until the Holy Spirit revealed that to me just a little while ago in my office, That that something was being sown. Obviously, the parable of the sower, that's easy to understand because the seed is being sown. But in the parable of the lamp, what is being sown into your life, we're being told what's being sown into your life is going to manifest. What you're allowing to be sown into you is going to manifest. And then in the growing seed, that, that what is sown will reap a harvest because it's been sown, because you've allowed that to be sowed into your life. And then the mustard seed, we realize that faith, it doesn't go into action until it is sown. So what we're seeing here, and here's the key that I want you to get, because we're all headed somewhere. Jesus said we're going to go where? To the other side. We're going over to the other side. We're all headed somewhere. I want you to get this. And we're headed somewhere because, watch this, Jesus has called us to go to a better place in life, to a place of purpose, to a place of direction, to a place of blessing, to a place of being used for the glory of God. But watch this. The key to starting the journey... Listen to me carefully. The key to starting the journey is what you are sowing in your life. Let me just ask you, what are you sowing into your life? What are you sowing? Because that that a man sows, he shall also reap, Scripture says. And if you want to get to the other side, you know, I'll never forget an illustration. That I watched my dad. He went out into a, a wheat field and he pulled up a, a few uh, stalks of grain there. And, and as he pulled those up, there was a tear in the middle of them. And he talked about what you sow, you're going to reap. And he talked about the things that he had sown in his life that weren't healthy and the things that he had sown in his life that weren't good. And I'll never forget the statement because I've lived my life by it. Here's what he said. He said, if I'm going to reap what I've sown and I've sown some stuff that I should not have have sown. He said, I'm determined I'm going to start sowing good all around what I shouldn't have sown. I'm going to start sowing right all around it. He said, because I might have to go through a little bit of pain, but the other's going to reap a harvest also because what a man sows that he shall reap. So what are you sowing into your life? And so what this passage begins to show us is what's being sown. The parable of the sower, that one's kind of easy for us, I'm assuming. But, but what God is showing us is, is that God wants to sow good things into your life. God wants to put good seed into your life. It doesn't say bad seed or seed of judgment. That god See, some of you feel like you are the bad seed and all you deserve is judgment. Come on now. Some of you, I've seen people brag about it. Well, I'm the black sheep of the family. You know, what you need to do is get under the blood and become the white sheep of the family. Come on now. In Jesus' name, you need God to change your life. But what's being sown into you is good seed. What kind of seed? good seed, because God wants to change who you are. And you have to be diligent to provide one thing in the story of the parable. You don't have to make the seed grow. You have to provide fertile ground for the seed. You have to make yourself somebody that, that when God sows good seed into you, it finds the right place to grow. And the word shows us how to deal with that. The very first thing that the scripture tells us is that some seed is sown and quickly the devil comes in to steal your victory, to steal the word out of your life. And let me just tell you how that works. That's when the word comes to you, but you'd rather believe the lie of the devil over the promise of God. Some of you go, I'd never do that. Well, let me tell you, God says I've called you blessed. God says I've called you chosen. God says I've anointed you. I have appointed you as a watchman for this generation. But some of you automatically hear the devil say, but you don't understand. You messed up. You blew up. You you, you caused this, and you've hurt this one, and, and that might have been God's old plan for you. Listen to the lie of the devil. God didn't say I made a mistake when I chose you. God said I chose you, and I'll take you right where you are, and I'll make you into who I've called you to be if you'll let me sow good things into your life. Amen. Amen. Amen, How many you know God's good? I said, "How many you know God's good? Amen. God wants to do good things in your I feel. See, this is what happens when my sermon gets messed up. You get what's flowing through right now. Come on, amen. And I feel this because some of you, you need to understand the next thing. It says it sprung up because they came into church and they went, that's for me, that's for me. But their faith was not deep because it had no root. And it was what I call surface faith. And surface faith, when the sun comes out and the persecutions come, they lose their joy and they lose their victory. And they can't keep their eyes on the prize because all they can see is what's wrong in their lives. Fertile ground says, Lord, tear up this stony hard part of my life and make me good ground. See, the the next place was, was people who live in worry or sin. Can I tell you that sin is a worry, is worrying? Worry or sin, because sin or worries will choke out your harvest. Our job, the key to be good, good ground is to hear the word and accept it. To receive it into our lives. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. Don't you understand that Mary and Martha, when Jesus looked at Martha and Mary and said, Don't you understand I am the resurrection and the life? He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live? Listen to me. Don't you understand that they they couldn't figure out what he was even talking about? But all that one of them had to do was hold on to the promise. All that one, and that's the difference. Martha came in and said, If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she told Jesus, the Bible says this, Jesus came a certain distance, and Martha met him, and she says to him, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus had to stay right there because her faith wasn't there. But Mary shows up and Mary looks at him and falls in front of him and begins to worship. And she says the exact same words, but instead of saying, if you've been here, she says, Lord, if you had been here, I know my brother wouldn't have died. You see, the difference, one was an accusation and one was a release of faith. I still believe in you, even though my storm is tough. I still believe in you, even though my struggle is real. And when she released that, See, Martha's faith only took him so far into her problem. But the moment that Mary released faith, Jesus said, take me to him now. And when they took him to him, all of a sudden, that word found fertile ground. And when it found fertile ground, a stone was rolled away. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus scooted his way out of that tomb. Come on now, because the word found fertile ground. Amen. You've got to create in your life fertile ground. Because it's all about what is sown. The parable of the lamp. I preach that. You don't hide your lights. You've got to let it shine. You sang it in children's church. Come on now. Should we sing it this morning? This little. I'm kidding. (laughs) Amen. But I've never read the first part of that verse with revelation like it jumped off the page at me this morning. It says this. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear, because what you allow to come into your life will affect how you interact. <laughs> when I was a boy, they'd do that thing where you play that little game, somebody would say something to this one, they call it grapevine or whatever, I heard it through the grapevine. You see, that generation got their gossip through the grapevine. And some of y'all young ones aren't going to understand what I'm talking about, but then they got their gossip off the party line. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Amen. And then after they got their gossip off the party line, they moved it. And all of a all of a sudden, things began to shift. And as things began to change, uh, people uh, suddenly find their gossip. Matter of fact, you don't even need to gossip. People show you their own junk on Facebook. Come on now. And all you do is start letting that negativity start speaking into your life. And you're, you're, one young lady, I said, I said something uh, to her and we were talking on a trip that we were on recently and social medias came up and she said I had to delete them because all I did was sit around and judge my life against everybody else's. All I did was what, what, I felt sorry for myself because I'd sit there all day long judging my life against everybody else's life. They look happy. They, they're blessed. They're doing this. They're getting this. And she said I had to get rid of it out of my life because of the effect it was having on my life. Let me tell you, you've got to be careful what you're allowing into who you are. Consider carefully what you allow to be sown into you because it's going to determine if you get to the other side. Maybe, maybe I just need to take it another angle. You need to be careful what you're listening to. You need to ask yourself a question. Charlie's sitting back there. I'm going to pick on him this morning just for a moment. Every time we're riding down the road and, and a song comes on and, or we're watching something on TV and something comes on, a song that he likes or something, the very first question he asked me every single time, he always said, he says, is that a Christian? I'm like, I don't know them. I don't know their testimony. I don't know if they're a Christian or not. He wants to know: Are they a Christian? And, and let me just tell you, that's a question the child's asking. But it might ought to be a question adults start asking because of what we're allowing to input into our lives. Because some of you wonder why you can't you can't get away from the bar stools because you're singing about the tear in your beer all day long. Come on now, you, you you wonder why you can't get any better friends, but you're hanging out in low places. Come on now, you understand what I'm talking about? You're letting the wrong stuff get inside of your heart and the wrong stuff get inside of your life. And instead, you need to elevate who you are. You need to. To find out. But sometimes he'll ask, are they a Christian? And I say, no, listen to what they're talking about. That's not the word of God. That's against the word of God, against the commands of God. We ought to know. We ought to be doing Philippians 4.8. We ought to start listening to things that are pure and lovely and have a good report, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. We need to elevate who we are because that's what makes us fertile ground for what is sown into us. Am I making sense to anybody today? And then He takes them quickly into the parable of the growing seed, which tells us your job is not to make the word work. He says, the farmer just plants it. Your job is to let me sow it into your life. But but your job is just simply to open your life and allow it to be good ground so that God can bring the increase into who you are. One of the greatest hindrances to where God wants to take you is where you want to go. I just want to go back. God is not about going. What happened to, to Lot's wife when she looked back? Come on now. Amen. She turned. God's not about going back. God's about going forward because he didn't call you to go back. He called you to the other. Come on now. Some of you. I said he called you to the. Y'all better not be glad you're not helping me preach. Y'all see a fat guy get winded this morning. Come on. Amen. The final, the parable of the mustard seed. Faith only grows when you use what you have. Let's say that again. Until you're willing to sow your faith, your faith can't grow. A little widow woman comes to the prophet of old and says to him, she says, she says, my sons are about to be sold to pay for a debt under that law, of that land that your future generations had to pay for the debt. My sons are about to be sold to pay for my husband's debt. He is dead. They're going to take my sons. They're going to take everything I have, and it's done. I have nothing to give them. I have nothing to barter with. And the prophet looks at her, and he asks her a very simple question. He says, no, no, what do you have in your house? What do you have? And many of you know this story, some of you don't, but he says, what do you have? And she says, all I have. Listen, that's the problem. We start quali- quantifying what we do have instead of qualifying the God who's on our side. Can I say that again? You need to stop quantifying where you are and you need to start qualifying the God who's called you and chosen you and purposed in you divine direction and strength. Come on now. And she says, all I have is a little bit of oil. And watch what he says. He says, go and borrow every pot you can find and bring it into your house. Shut the door so you can keep the naysayers out because faith doesn't grow in an attitude of criticism. Shut the door. And then he says something you've got to do with your oil. Are you ready for this? And she probably felt pretty stupid the first time she stepped into front of a pot like that. He said, you've got to take your oil and sow it into the next pot as you pour it into that pot. Can you imagine that moment as she took that oil and she began to pour it into that pot? As she began to pour, and I feel the Holy Spirit, she began to pour that into that pot and that pot filled up and there was still oil. And the next pot and the next pot and the next pot and the next pot. Why? Because faith cannot grow until you sow it. And when you, my and I feel the Holy Spirit, when you can sow your faith, get ready because your faith going to expand. And every time you sow the faith that comes through the unction of the Holy Spirit, you are going to grow. So it's all about sewing. Now, Pastor Don, that's not why you brought us to this passage. We're trying to identify what it meant when the Word says that Jesus, Jesus was as He was in the boat. How does sewing get to this? Well, I I said, okay, Lord, I need you to reveal this to me. I want to know why every time did I read that passage, did as He was just birth, just jump inside of my heart. And so the Lord... Took me back to Mark uh, chapter 4, verse number 1. Mark chapter 4, verse number 1 answers that question. Are you ready for this? It says this, And again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, notice this, that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Now listen to that carefully. So why, what is it saying? Jesus was already in the boat. Stay with me. Jesus was already in the boat. If we could make it modern translation, this is what it could say. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So they got in the boat that he was already in. Now I'm going somewhere with this and I want you to get it. You see, we're all going to go somewhere in life. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're all having to move for, you cannot stand still. You're going to move forward somewhere. You're going somewhere in this life, but you have to make up your mind and understand that storms are going to come to everybody. I got four or five amens in this one. I said that in the first service and they looked at me like, Oh, I'm not claiming that. I don't care. You can name it or claim it all you want to, but storms are coming. It reminds me of that one guy who was naming and claiming and, and, and he went to hell. And the whole time he was there, he goes, this ain't hell and it ain't hot. This ain't hell and it ain't hot. But he was still there. You are going to go through storms. You know how I know that? Because Jesus said that we all would face persecutions and troubles and trials in this life. Every single one, you will face sorrows. You will go through dark days. You will go through dark hours of your life. But there's there's really no sitting still. We're all going somewhere. We're really all gonna face something. But in order to overcome the storm and arrive to the place of purpose that God has called us to, there's one thing we need to make sure of. We need to make sure that Jesus, Jesus is already in the boat let me say it this way to you during a fire is not the time to identify where the extinguishers are there's one there there's one there and there's one there I know where to run to if the fire starts because I already know where the extinguishers are, because I have identified. You know, you know, it's sort of like this: when you're on a plane and all of a sudden uh, you find out there's going to be a crash landing over water, it is not in the middle of the crash landing to identify where your flotation device is. You should know when the when the stewardess or attendant gets on there and all of a sudden stands up there. You know how they drop that little thing down? You should figure out how to put your mask on then. That was awful week. Amen some of you going, I just want them to be quiet. I'm tired of the videos. I'm tired of hearing if you fly as much as I do, you almost, you put it out, but I'll look down and think, okay, this one's here. This one's there. Why? Because you better know before the, if you (laughs) remember, notice, I said crash landing over water, because if you crash landing over, over ground, you might as well just start praying right there where you are. Come on. Amen. But you better know where your uh, exit is. You better know where your evacuation route is. You better know what the plan is before you get into the storm. What I'm trying to tell you was they got into, Jesus said we're going somewhere and they got in the boat that Jesus was already in because they knew if Jesus was in the boat, no matter what they faced going across, no matter what storm, what trouble, what trials, they knew that Jesus said we're going over there and as long as Jesus is in the boat, everything's going to work out along the way. And so they got in the right boat because Jesus was in the boat. Can I tell you, the middle of the storm Storm is not the time to identify if Jesus is in the boat. I'm gonna pick on somebody, and I hope it's all right. I'm gonna share just a brief moment of their story. I say pick on them. I'm gonna share their story, and they can get me afterwards if they want to. But I watched the worship this morning, and it's like the Holy Spirit drew me in. And this little lady up here, who's been worshiping here for for years, she she came right down to this altar and lifted her hands. How I many you know who I'm talking about? She stands right here and she worships, and she she was dancing before the Lord. And I I was listening to her, or uh, watching her. She, she was singing that with all her voice. So your praise will ever be on my lips. What you don't understand was that the storm that she and her husband and family are going through. Last week, they flew to Dallas. And last week, she was out there with her son who's been told, there is nothing they can medically do for you. You are eat up with cancer. Unless God heals you, you're going to die. But yet, today, she didn't sit up there pouting. She walked herself down to an altar in the middle of her storm and lifted her hands and worshiped the same God who brought her this far because he's the same God who's going to carry her all the way. It's in the middle of your storm. You better know he's already in your boat. I'll never forget as I was standing there watching her, I remember the day how my wife was screaming. My baby daughter, only child, was violently, I don't even know how to describe, gurgling. As as the doctors told us, she had had only had moments to live from a certain interaction of of seizures that begin to happen because of her diabetes and her sugar had went so low, so long. They said once this begins to happen, you have less than fifteen minutes to inject this shot, or they will die. And I remember, I'll never forget that night. I remember the sound of her; she was screaming from 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 agony as her body was convulsing. And we knew that we had been told over and over again: unless you administer this glucagon shot, you have moments. Uh, my wife screaming. I'm on the phone trying to call the doctor. I'll never forget that moment. That was a storm, folks. In the middle of that storm, it was like death itself ro- self rolled into my house, and, and death itself said to me, where is your God now? And I almost dropped the phone. I was waiting for the doctor. I almost dropped the phone, but I said it out loud, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And as I began to lift up, because I know why, I know that my Redeemer lives. Listen to me. As I began to lift him up, all of a sudden, the storm was replaced by the peace and quiet of the presence of God. I'm trying to tell somebody, Jesus needs to be in your boat and the only way you're going to get him there is by opening up your life to be fertile ground. To be who God's called you to be. I made it through the last service without yelling but y'all must be harder headed. Come on now. (laughs) Stand with me if you would. You need to make sure that you've opened your life up so Jesus is in your boat. Now listen to me. I read a story just recently, this morning actually, because I, I was like, Lord, I don't understand. And I just felt to search for this one thing and I found this. It's about a young German couple. Now, if you know anything about Europe, you understand a lot of Germans like to vacation over in Paris. So a young German couple had had wed. So they honeymooned in France. They drove over to France and sort of like us going to Florida, basically. Drove over to France and and they've had a wonderful honeymoon, and they're all excited, and they're exhausted, and he's driving home. She falls asleep in the back of the car, and he pulls over to the petrol station and fills the car up, hops in the car, and he is, he, hes an article said he was jamming, just, just, just had, you know, I guess, I don't know how he's listening to it without waking her, but he's jamming at the top of, you know, his lungs. He's just having a great time. He drove for what the equivalent is 125 miles. Two hours. Finally, he thinks, I better wake her because she's not going to be able to get any rest tonight. He turns to wake his bride. She's not there. She's not there at all. Turns out that his new bride had awakened while he was pumping gas and decided that she needed to use the restroom. Walked into the store, probably waved at him as she went. But somehow in the excitement of the moment, he forgot that she was not asleep in the back of the car. Jumps in the car, drives 125 miles, two hours later, realizes she's not there. Can you imagine the ride back? Five hours later, he pulls into the gas station. She's alerted the police by this point. I mean, she had no phone, no money. I mean, uh, uh, they're all looking for him. They asked her, they said, are you upset? Now listen, this is the difference between somebody on their honeymoon and somebody's been married 10 years. Are you upset with him? And she said, oh no. I thought, good Lord, after 10 years, she'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna kill him. (laughs) She said, oh no. Because I know he didn't do it on purpose. Wow. And yet, she loved him still. I think the danger that we all face, if you'll remember in Mark 4 where Jesus was in the boat, in the back, asleep. He doesn't sleep in slumber any longer. But yet, we just assume he's back there. We just assume he's in the boat. Some of you have been married to him a lot longer than 10 years. How many of you are thankful when we forget he doesn't say, I'm gonna kill him? He says, It's alright. I love them still. I guess the, the whole sum of this, hopefully, maybe this week, wrapping up Mark 4, is this. Are you living your life in such a way, opening up fertile ground so that Jesus can be in your boat? Because you too are going to face storms. You too are going to face struggles, but you need to know who's riding with you.